0: At the end, I didn't meet Franca. And my friend Michaela was in Spain on a study trip. Can you believe it? You are one of the few people who was actually born in Berlin. And you miss it. For a stupid study trip to Spain, you miss it. Being born in Berlin... I'm talking West Berlin, of course. This is all before the war came down. Being a real Berliner was a big deal. Something to tell at parties, to impress people. Because everybody came from somewhere else in those days. You see, you had anti-militarist boys who had moved to West Berlin before turning 18 to avoid the military service that uh, was compulsory in Germany. (laughs) Then you had lots of old people from East Berlin, because if you were a pensioner, you were allowed to apply for a permit to visit the West. After all, the official reason for building the wall was to stop people leaving the East to go and work in the West. When I first, uh, went to Berlin, then the you first had artists, activists, activists, and people who moved to West Berlin, Berlin, Berlin because, uh, because it was cool. Back to that, bitch that I had moved to Berlin because uh, I was learning German. You love Berlin. Oh yes, you love Berlin. Come visit, and finding a job is not difficult. You need to buy the paper every day or enroll in a job center. You get a job in one week's time. Well, you cannot be choosy, of course. I'm working as a waitress, for example, but it's fine. Each I got hooked on the German language, reading Kafka and watching Fassbinder in Italian. So I enrolled at uni to study German. But I realized that uh, it wasn't enough to read or understand. So I moved to Berlin. Oh, scusa, Cristina, ma prima non eri andata a Monaco? Well, yes. Initially, I moved to Munich, in Baviera, and I couldn't stand it. It felt phony, spotless clean, but in a fake way, like a gingerbread house. Occasionally, people from Munich would visit Berlin, and when they came back, they wouldn't stop complaining how awful, dirty, and filthy Berlin was. The right place for me. It's crazy trying to describe you Berlin, people are strange, kind, I think it's because of the wall, yes, but they don't see the wall as a barrier, they feel that the wall is there like a mountain, a river, they never talk about the wall, oh, it's full of very young and very old, how shall I say? It's the city itself. Uh, it takes you. It clings to you. It's huge, but then when you live there, it's also like a village. It's cozy. It feels nice. How uh, shall I say? It's the people. Uh, you have to come to see it. I cannot tell you. You have to come and experience. Come. Was E allora racconta. Cos'è successo quando è caduto il muro? Hier ist das erste deutsche Fernsehen mit der Tagesschau. Guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren. Ausweise bitte. Die Unsicherheit bei den Grenzsoldaten groß. Sie lassen zunächst einzelne in den Westen gehen. It is Thursday afternoon. The weather is unusually warm for early November, but I've only just come back from Italy, so. It feels cold to me. I have been back for a day or so and I am dying to catch up with Franca. I call her, but she's not interested in listening from my trip home. She tells me that people have spotted Trabants in Kreuzberg and that something big is happening. Now, Kreuzberg is in the west and Trabants were only in the east. So, it was really strange. An Brücke strömen tausende in Westen, und grenzenlose Freude. Erst recht als das wird, dem no, Taille... are these uh, tiny shonky cars. I had only seen a couple of those in my life, uh, despite the fact that I had been in East Berlin more than once. I loved taking friends to East Berlin when they came visiting, because uh, it was scary back then. You had to apply for a visa. They called it a 24-hour visa, but uh, it wasn't for 24 hours. You had to live before midnight on the same day. quindi so you Checkpoint Charlie. Checkpoint Charlie was for tourists. People living in Berlin always went through Friedrichstrasse. You had to take the underground to the station Friedrichstrasse, go downstairs, and there you queued up in the Tränenpalast, the Palace of Tears. I mean, that was the unofficial name, because uh, it was a barrier between two worlds. Lots of tears shed with long goodbyes. Imagine, a huge station for passport control. You wait your turn for hours. You cannot move or go anywhere, not even to the toilet. In fact, I don't even know whether they had toilets. You move only when the guard with the machine gun tells you that you can move. When your turn comes, you are waved into the booth. The window is very high and the guard on the other side always looks down onto you. I have to go on tiptoe to give him my passport. Above my head and everywhere in the room, there are mirrors placed in the ceiling on an angle to detect anyone trying to sneak unnoticed underneath. They stamp your passport tell you that you have to exchange 25 West Germany marks with 25 East Germany marks and uh, finally, after hours of waiting, of queuing, of waiting, of fearing, finally, you can go to the other side. Yes, yes. so how is everybody? Oh, the other day I went to East Berlin. It's so romantic. The streets are wide and you never see people outside. And there are no cars very few cars. Imagine such wide streets and no cars and no people. Yes, it is a bit spooky. That and the fact that the few people that you see, they never look you in the eyes because they're scared, because, you know, the secret police is everywhere, Stasi, everywhere. Oh, and then imagine, no billboards, no ads, anywhere, nothing. And because there are no billboards, there is no color, just gray and black. It's uh, it's like being in a black and white movie from the 50s. Scary, spooky, but very romantic. Oh, you should see it. So, it is late afternoon, and Franca just told me that something is happening. In Berlin, there was already the world waiting. Lots of journalists from all over the world. Because everybody for months knew that something was happening. It was only a matter of time. Everybody knew that the DDR was falling apart. Just a few weeks before... The leader, Herik Honecker, had resigned and uh, had been replaced by Egon Kranz, I mean, it was coming. With Franca, we agreed to meet at Tiergarten, at the Sigisøle, and to walk towards the wall from there. But we never met. Long before getting there, I was swallowed by a sea of people. I wasn't the only one who had the idea to go to see what was happening at the wall. You have to imagine, Strasse 17. Juni was built by Hitler wide enough so that planes could land there. Well, it was invaded by people. You could hardly walk. It took me almost one hour to make my way through the people and be able to reach the wall. To reach the wall. People were passing through a hole in the wall, pouring out, from the east to the west. The Mauer was coming down, and Michaela, the only real Berliner that I knew, my friend Michaela was in Spain, missing it all. Can you believe it? And the wall coming down, that was just the beginning. Berlin had already changed forever. A raccontare quello che è successo. La gente che usciva dall'est, le famiglie che si rivedevano dopo anni, gli abbracci, i brindisi, i pianti. Non racconti niente. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll tell you all about the celebrations. And what happened after that? How we couldn't use public transport for weeks. How you couldn't go anywhere without having in front of you hundreds of people who didn't know what to do. Like the time that a woman stopped me at the market and asked me, What is this pointing at an avocado? Yes, I'll tell you everything in the second part of this podcast.